This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. In this weekly podcast, you will get the latest insight on Husker football, basketball, and baseball from HOL's Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Dan Hoppen, Nate Klaus, and Greg Peterson. Now, here's your host, HuskerOnline.com publisher, Sean Callahan. We've got a little bit of breaking news to start the podcast. Uh, as we get here on the tape, the podcast on Thursday morning, uh, we get the email from Nebraska head coach Mike Riley that Leroy Alexander and Dryad Tolbert um, will be looking for transfer options. And then kind of a, one of the bigger surprise ones, I first heard some news about this on Wednesday that something was going down with David Santos, uh, but he'll no longer be with the team. And you know, I had heard that he wasn't with the team to start summer conditioning and summer workouts uh, when the team met on campus Monday, and you know that's usually not a very good thing uh, as we bring in Robin Washett, Nate Klaus, and Dan Hoppen to, to talk about the, this breaking news uh, with the roster attrition. It's something that we've been waiting for. You know, Nebraska's been three scholarships over. We knew something was going to happen, and surprise, Marl Bondi still hasn't been announced yet. I, I don't expect him to be back in the fall, but Robin, first your take uh, on this news. Like you mentioned, uh, the Tolbert and Alexander, I don't think it was a surprise to anyone uh, considering their kind of much publicized off-the-field uh, issues. But certainly David Santos uh, kind of took me and all of us by surprise. And, uh, you know, I, I've seen some some takes out there that this, you know, is not a huge loss. But you're talking about a linebacker position. He's going to start. Yeah, you're talking about a linebacker position that was extremely thin all spring, and that that was the huge storyline. I mean, they had to they had to organize their spring game around the lack of depth around linebacker. Now you take a potential starter out of the mix uh, for you know whatever reason, uh, and now you're kind of even further scramble mode. And uh, I think that's going to be something that uh, you know Nebraska really has to try and uh, kind of move some things around and hopefully get some uh, young guys to come in and make immediate impacts that to, to kind of fill those big shoes that he's leaving behind. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, you, you look at Nebraska's roster right now, Josh Banderas and Michael Rose Ivy are really your only two linebackers with any real playing experience. I mean, Marcus Newby's played a little bit more at defensive end. You got Luke Gifford now and Dedrick Young. Yeah, th- those guys are going to have to step up. They're going to have to be ready. And maybe some of these incoming freshmen, whether it's uh, Mohamed Barry, Adrian Talon, you know, some, some different guys like that, they might have to be ready to, to step in and contribute, especially if there might be an injury or something. So... You know, obviously, it, it hurts you not only because Santos is a very good player and he was going to start for this team, but it hurts your depth so much, too. Now, you know, some of those guys who might have been able to redshirt or might have been able to kind of, you know, have a year on the bench to kind of get their feet under them, they might have to get in there and, and play right away. Well, I think, uh, you know, another guy that, that is, is going to hurt uh, or that Nebraska hurts, you know, by losing is Jariah Tolbert. You know, we didn't see um, Santos in the spring and, and, uh, and you know, we didn't see a ton of Alexander, to be honest with you, because he really wasn't getting uh, too many reps with the top unit. But Jariah Tolbert uh, was a guy who was kind of emerging and, uh, you know, was he flashed. Looked, in yeah, spring. he looked like a guy who was going to be able to give Nebraska that, that big body wide receiver presence, you know, on the outside. Uh, and he had a, a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of potential, I think, going into the season. So uh, I think losing him, um, you know, definitely hurts. I think Santos hurts hurts the most, but uh, losing Tolbert, uh, you know, was a guy that I think could have added a lot to Nebraska's offense. And Leroy Alexander was somebody that, you know, failed a drug test and there had been speculation that he failed another drug test for over a month now. And 
Uh, I think Nebraska just kind of waited and waited um, to kind of get all the house cleaning done in one shot versus multiple releases. And um, Mike Riley obviously has been very calculated in how he does that type of stuff. It was interesting to see. You know, I didn't know how he was going to handle these types of things, but just sent out a pretty swift, easy release on the news. And you, you just wonder what direction they go at linebacker. You know, I've even heard Nate Muhammad Berry is going to play strong safety and Antonio Reed could end up being a linebacker. So that, that's another one to watch. Yeah, I expect that to happen. Um, you know, it was interesting because coming out of high school, uh, Eric Johnson, former Husker linebacker Eric Johnson, who worked with Muhammad Berry, uh, actually told me that he felt Muhammad Berry would be, uh, you know, best suited to play strong safety in uh, in college uh, you know could be an outside linebacker but uh, would be an outstanding strong safety so I think that could happen and when we talked with Antonio Reed uh, before he got to campus he said he was weighing 218 pounds and uh, you know was uh, I mean it's fit, kind of fits the mold at, at linebacker more so than uh, Muhammad Barry who's barely at 200 so yeah, and you know, I think the one bit of good news here with, with these departures, at least at the safety spot, Nebraska does have a lot of depth, and they have uh, some young guys that I think are really kind of ready to take that next step. That are probably now going to get a better opportunity to see the field if they weren't already. Um, you know, I mean, uh, Kyron Williams, the, the two Williams boys in safety. I think the, both those guys are going to be, uh, you know, kind of elevated up that depth chart to, to play some pretty big roles. So it'll be fun to kind of watch their progression, uh, and they're going to be counted on heavily. And Byerson Cockrell is another name to watch at safety I mean he might have been the starter even if Leroy you know had stuck around just we saw him so much there in the spring obviously he's a guy who's counted on at Nickelback um, but if Nebraska does go with more base defense you could see Cockrell in there more at safety and another name just to throw out there you know I think they probably want to keep him at corner but Charles Jackson has played safety before. I, I, I expect him to move to safety okay from everything I've kind of heard now with the movement look for Jackson to go back to safety um, I, I think that's going to happen especially with the young talent they have at corner in the in the program and i um, trying to think there's another th- positional thing to watch but Aaron Williams is someone I think that's going to have a really good shot yeah. to play as well Mark Banker loves him you're listening here to the Husker online uh, dot com podcast but yeah charles jackson this is we, we i think we've said this for four years in a row is he a senior now or junior i i, I, for, I forget with his red shirt situation uh but he's somebody that it's kind of make or break for him he needs to have a big year and um the table has been set for a guy like charles jackson uh he's still listed as a junior on, got a red shirt uh, year yeah on nebraska's website but yeah i mean we've been hearing about this guy for years and years just about how athletic he is the other players on the team have said he's one of, if not the hardest hitters on the team, but the poor guy, you know, it, he just couldn't, you know, fully uh, digest Bo Pelini's defensive scheme before. And then last year, it looked like he had finally gotten that. He was going to get that opportunity at Nickelback. And then, you know, he gets hurt, ends up missing the entire season. But maybe this is his opportunity. Maybe he gets a chance this season to step in at safety. And, and I would love to see that for him because he's a good kid and I think he's got a lot of talent. Yeah, he's just got to stay healthy. I mean, you know, not only was he out all last year, but then has the other knee injury in spring, you know, just a couple practices in. And you just hope that he's not one of those guys that's just, you know, held back his entire career with injuries just because we see so much potential with him. I mean, athletically, he's he's a freak out there. And uh, it, would, it would be a shame if he's not able to kind of put that to use out on game day he's an old junior too you remember he waited a year to come in so he's a fifth year guy technically so when he comes back for his senior year, he'll be a six-year guy in college uh, one of the older guys on the team but uh, it will be interesting just to see kind of how things shake out you know they're now at the 85 number which I know there are a lot of people I, I go on shows and I'm some of you guys do too and 
guys freak out about this. How are they going to get down to 85? Well, they're down at 85, okay? so And that's what Bondi's still on yeah, the team. Yeah, more and to the, come, probably. And there's, yeah, I always laugh. Like, guys, they will be at 85 on fall camp. Don't freak out about this in April or May because – they will be at 85 when it's all said and done. Trust me, they have to be. Yeah. So they'll figure it out. <laughs> the the NCAA really makes sure of it. And this is why you oversign by a couple guys. This is why you you maximize. You know, you take advantage of being able to oversign by three because you're you're always going to have some flux there. We come back here on the program. Uh, it was the uh, the baseball draft this past week as well. Dan Hoppen is going to give us a rundown of the Husker players drafted. Uh, a good number of uh, players were drafted for Huskers and as two recruits as well. So uh, we'll get the rundown from Dan and, and, and kind of figure out where things are at for Husker baseball following the MLB draft. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Well, it was the MLB draft this week, and we saw four current Husker players get drafted and three of the recruits as well. We bring in Dan Hoppen uh, to break down all the movement. And, Dan, I think the, the thing that first of all jumped out to me was really nobody was drafted super high. I mean, the highest guy we saw um, was Tanner Lubach by the Angels in the ninth, ninth round. So you, you didn't really have anybody – in that really high, obvious area where you know for sure um, they're going to take the money and go pro. I mean, when you look at first of all, we'll go through through some of the names, but first question I'm going to ask you, do you see any of these guys potentially leaving that have the option to come to Nebraska or come back? Well, I think, uh, A, one guy already has already decided that he's going to sign with this professional team. That's uh, Pierce Romero. He was a Juco um, right-handed pitcher drafted in the ninth round by the Arizona Diamondbacks. He's a guy who um, had Tommy John surgery two years ago and then was uh, was coming out of the bullpen this year and could get his fastball up to 95 miles an hour. So that's obviously a guy who's got some pretty good talent. But, you know, you can never blame a Juco guy when they have those limited opportunities to get drafted, especially a guy who's already had a significant injury. You know, if he gets a chance to get paid and, and realize his professional dream, you can't blame a guy for taking that chance. Uh, other than that, you know, Nebraska had two uh, freshman recruits drafted, Jesse Wilkening, a catcher in the 28th round, and then Chad Lewinsman, a pitcher in the 39th round. Neither of those guys, I don't think, have announced either way what they're going to do, but I would expect them both to be on campus, especially Chad. I mean, when you go in the 39th out of 40 rounds, you're probably not going to take off early. And then the, the one guy to maybe keep an eye on, uh, relief pitcher Colton Howell was drafted in the 22nd round by the San Diego Padres. Um, he's the only current Husker who is a, a junior draft eligible guy who could potentially leave early. And, and he's said that he's kind of <clears throat> feeling through that decision. He hasn't made any decision yet, but he, he's kind of a fireballing reliever. He's got a lot of velocity. He's a guy who could probably, you know, help out, um, a, a minor league bullpen pretty soon here and, and make a, and make a quick impact. So that's a guy who's going to have a tough decision to make. But other than that, you know, I think uh, we pretty much kind of know where a lot of these guys stand. It shows you when you look at what the strength of this team was, Dan, the bullpen probably was one of the stronger parts. When you see two guys in the bullpen get drafted, uh, Josh Rader and Colton Howe, I mean, that was kind of one of the bread and butter things of this team if they were able to to be utilized in the, in the right situations. Mm -hmm. And I think you definitely saw it over the first half of the year when – 
when Nebraska, you know, started so well, he started uh, 23 and seven, just looked great. It was that bullpen just locked down every seven, night. eight, nine. A lot of, yeah, a lot of what we saw, you know, not to be hyperbolic here, but with the Kansas City Royals <laughs> last year making their World Series run, it was if Nebraska could have the lead late, they could turn to, you know, these two guys. They could turn to uh, Jake Hohensee, uh Jake Myers, um, Jeff Chestnut. All those guys came in and just continued to throw up zeros and and that was a big reason why Nebraska got off to such a good start you're listening here to the HuskerOnline.com podcast we're talking MLB draft and kind of where the Husker players fell with uh, our beat writer Dan Hoppen who covers Husker baseball for us here on HOL.com and you know let's go back to Tanner Lubach uh, I'm sure when you see the Angels draft a Darren Erstad player uh, a catcher uh, you know with Mike Sosha being a former catcher you probably just kind of smile at that one because you, you you know that that uh, the Angels are obviously going to get a pretty good scouting report on any Nebraska player. Mm-hmm. And we got a chance to to talk to Tanner um, the other day after he was drafted. And obviously you could tell he was over the moon, just excited about a chance to get picked. But he admitted, yeah, there's, you know, he spent a lot of time around Darren Erstad and Darren obviously, you know, is an Angels guy, still very connected with our organization. So you could tell there was a little bit, you know, extra something there to be drafted by the Angels in that organization. But yeah, you just feel great for Tanner. Obviously, this is a guy who he's got some work to do with the bat, but he's a fantastic defensive catcher. This is, you know, the type of guy who can go down in the minor leagues and, you know, maybe after three or four years, maybe he'll get a shot. Now, looking ahead to next year, Dan, the guy in the draft that could really go high is is Ryan Bolt, right? I mean, mm-hmm. he was somebody that went high out of high school. You would think if he has a good season next year, you're going to see him in the top 10 rounds. Yes, and uh, especially if he's able to add on to his power numbers. He only had one home run this year, which seems impossible given how talented he is. And his slugging percentage was not very good. But this is a guy who can really hit the ball, and he does have that power in his bat. I think if he shows that, you are going to see him go pretty high. Nebraska's got a couple other guys that have been drafted over the last couple years that have decided to turn down the money. I think... Derek Burkamper is certainly another guy to watch. He kind of emerged as Nebraska's Sunday starter this year. He could be their Friday or Saturday guy um, in this coming season, and maybe that's another guy who could throw his name up on some draft boards. Were you surprised that none of the starting pitchers were drafted? You know, you look at a guy like Kyle Kubat being a lefty. Um, you know, you see a lot of guys get drafted in baseball, and why, why weren't any of Nebraska's starting pitchers drafted? I was kind of surprised at that. And, you know, you look at Kyle Kubat and Chance Sinclair, neither one of those guys, you know, have electric I, stuff. That's what I was going to say. You know, you don't look at them and you don't see them throwing 94, 95 miles an hour. You don't see them snapping off a curveball that starts at the top of the zone and then just, you know, falls off the plate. They're both guys that, you know, kind of get by. You location know, and stuff yeah with their location their guile you know to use a a cliche and everything but you know th- those are the type of guys who I think they will still have an opportunity to sign with the team I mean you look at a guy like Michael Pritchard last year for Nebraska he didn't get drafted and he ended up sticking with the uh the St. Louis Cardinals organization he signed with them after the draft and and actually had a very productive season for one of their rookie ball clubs so these guys still might get a chance their careers aren't necessarily over just because they didn't get drafted obviously it makes it a little harder on them but yeah I was surprised that you know especially when you got 40 rounds you got thousands of players being drafted and you're a lefty starter like Kubat I mean yeah lefties are a premium in in major league baseball oh oh, yeah for sure and I mean Chance Sinclair was a third team all-american last year and you know, no, they don't even get a sniff. So uh, I, I hope they get their chance. Maybe it shows you just how much Nebraska coached these guys up, that mm-hmm. they got as much performance as they're going to get. And the pro scouts say, you know what, that's top level. And these guys don't really have 
the frames or the physiques of, you know, remember Jabba Chamberlain, he was six foot three, 230 pounds. And yeah, these guys don't look like that. <laughs> yeah. You know, and that's a lot of pro baseball when you watch, I mean, th- these guys are all six, two to six, four, they can run four five forties. I mean, everybody, that, that's what amazes me every night when I watch major league baseball, the, the athletes on the field and how fast these guys are a grounder to the shortstops, a bang, bang play. And, um, it's just a whole different level when you're talking Division One baseball to the MLB. Mm-hmm. I mean, you remember, and this is going back 15 or 20 years, but major league teams didn't want to give Pedro Martinez a tryout because he was a 5'10 guy. He was 150 pounds. Exactly. They and they just almost wrote him off without even looking at him because they just they saw his size and they're just like, nah, yeah, we're not really interested. And you know, you look at Kyle Kubat and Chance Sinclair; they don't have that big hulking build. You know, they're they're guys who are more you know, on the lower end of the six foot scale, maybe six one, six two, something like that. So that probably didn't help them that they just don't have those frames. The bum garner, the Kershaw frames. Exactly. That just, you know, kind of stand out to you. Well, it should be interesting, Dan, to kind of see what happens with the numbers here at Nebraska baseball. Uh, We will potentially be seeing a recruiting class list. Uh, It's usually something we see a lot earlier in the year. We still, uh, if you don't know, uh, Nebraska has not released their signing list for baseball recruits. So Dan has done a great job covering the news and recruiting. Uh, but officially, from the Nebraska perspective, it has not yet been acknowledged who the recruits are. Yeah, Darren's put that off for quite some time. I've been told that we will be getting a list sometime now, now that the draft has been completed, once Nebraska knows who's coming to campus and who's going to sign with their professional teams. But, yeah, a lot of teams release this information back in the winter. So <laughs> Darren's put this off about as long as he can. He's playing a little poker on that recruit list. Well, uh, when we come back on the HOL podcast, uh, we will uh, pick things back up with recruiting, and we'll talk about Nebraska's first Friday Night Lights camp along with their first Big Red weekend. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Back here on the HOL podcast, it's been a very, very busy time in recruiting for Nebraska, and uh, the Huskers held uh, their first Friday Night Lights camp of the year this past Friday, along with Big Red Weekend. Welcome back to the podcast, Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus, and Dan Hoppen, and you know all three of you guys were there. I was still traveling back from Baltimore, so I want to get your take. On, on just what you saw at the Friday Night Lights camp, uh, just some of the guys that stood out, just the layout of it, the scene of it. Nate, you've been around Husker camp since the Frank Solagera, and you, you've kind of seen camps nationally. What were your thoughts on the, the Friday Night Lights setup and how everything was laid out? Well, I was very impressed with it. Uh, you know, just the, the overall layout, I, I think there was, uh, you know, there was a kind of a buzz and excitement about it. You know, all the guys, when they came in to, to sign up and, and check in for the camp, they got their own their own shirt that, that was numbered. And, um, you know, the offensive players had the, the red, uh, go big red, you know, jersey. And the defensive guys had kind of the, the black, you know, the black shirt jersey. So I thought that was pretty cool. And, uh, you know, it, it, just the testing uh, and then transitioning into the drill work and then the, the one-on-ones, I thought it was pretty efficient uh, for, you know, over 200 kids who were there. Uh, to for them to be able to get through all of that, and then you know finishing out the night with the one on ones under the lights in Memorial Stadium, I thought it was I thought it was pretty cool. So they started on the practice fields, and then the last 
hour they were in the stadium? Yeah, about the last hour they were in the stadium. And, um, you know, and that's where you really got a chance to, to kind of see, you know, uh, who was who was kind of the, the cream of the crop there, I guess, uh, on who was standing out. And speaking of the cream of the crop, Dan, Robin, uh, Cam Jurgens from Beatrice, a, a 2018 freshman. This is a kid that started varsity football at, for Beatrice as a freshman. He's 6'3", 228. He won the discus. He threw the shot 58 feet this year, took third, started varsity basketball for Beatrice. This kid is a specimen for his age, and it's no surprise Nebraska has already offered him early. Yeah, it was a funny story. Uh, you know, sitting there watching the kids walk in and standing by Nate, and Jurgens walks in, and I, I don't recognize him, and I'm like, Nate, who's that kid? And Nate's like, oh, it's Cam Jurgens from Beatrice. He, he's only a 2018 kid, and I like did double take because he's so physically put together for such a young kid. It 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 stunned me. And then you watch him play. Uh, I, I made sure to watch every single drill during the one on ones of the tight ends versus the linebackers. They you know just do a, a series of pass routes, kind of one on one coverage thing. And there was not a linebacker there at the entire camp that could cover him. He burned every single guy, caught every single ball, and scored on every single pass. I mean, it was it was. Unbelievable! He looked like uh, uh, Gronkowski out there. <laughs> yeah, you go back to uh, to the skills camp that Nebraska had last Tuesday, and, and he that was kind of the first time you know when he stood out and he played really well at that. But you know the, the talent level was not nearly the same as it was at the mm-hmm. Friday Night Lights camp. So it was kind of like, well, you know, maybe now he's facing some more upper echelon players, maybe one of the same impact. And, and like you mentioned, Robin, he absolutely had that same impact. He played great. Um, another guy that stood out to me. Uh, I spent a lot of time watching the receivers. Obviously, no surprise, Keyshawn Johnson Jr. was <laughs> shocker. Yeah, he was fantastic. <laughs> I mean, there, there were no real, um, you know, I, I don't know how many high caliber defensive backs were were at the camp. So maybe the competition wasn't as great for him. But but he looked just, he looked really really good. I mean, if the quarter He's polished, yes, absolutely. The, the quarterbacks weren't great, but if they put the ball pretty much anywhere near him, he was going to come down with it and, and make the defense. The best quarterback silly. was watching Alec Cromer. I know Cromer. I, I told his, his coach that he wishes that he would have went to the Friday Night Lights camp, and he went to watch his teammate Cam, and he was kicking himself for going to the Tuesday camp versus the uh, Friday Night Lights event and uh, getting a chance to, to throw to those guys. I want to go back to Jergens though. The Nebraska offered him. Um, and you, you wonder, is, is he too young to get an offer? Can he handle this? I, I think he can. Um, you know, he's a very humble kid. He's had a lot of success nationally in shot put and discus and basketball. He's a farm kid, lives on a farm outside uh, Beatrice, um, very, very well grounded. And, you know, a lot of kids I don't think Nate could handle getting an early offer like that from Nebraska at that age. Uh, but I, I think Cam it, it has the makeup and the demeanor that this is not going to be a big deal for him. Yeah, he's a pretty grounded kid. Uh, you know, this isn't going to go to his head. He's not going to become, you know, some type of uh, prima donna, you know, just because he picked up an offer after his freshman year. And I've had t- I've talked with a lot of people who are like, well, I don't know. I don't like Nebraska offering, you know, a kid who just finished his freshman year in high school. Well, Cam Jurgens is different. He's, I mean, he he's looks the best different. looking freshman I've seen yeah. in 15, 20 years. And it's not just that he looks the part. He's put it on film. He's yeah. played varsity sports. He, he's won the state title in the discus and finished third in the shot. I mean, he has a resume already uh, that a, that a lot of you know juniors or seniors don't even have. So uh, he he's he's checked all the all the boxes that, that you look for. And uh, so I don't have a problem with. 
with the offer. And, and I, I think that he's going to be the type of guy that, that handles uh, all of this newfound attention just fine. Yeah, he's accomplished more in one year than 99% of high school athletes will accomplish in their careers. And he's still got three more years yeah. to go uh, when you put it in those terms. I'll, I'll just be curious how big he gets. Now, um, Dan Robin, Nate, uh, Greg Simmons, uh, formerly a Miami linebacker commit, was at uh, Nebraska's camp as well in the Big Red weekend for a little bit on Friday. What were your thoughts on him seeing him out there on the field? Well, he didn't go through too many drills, but uh, you know, just on the hoof, he's a great-looking kid, 6'2", uh, probably 220, 225 pounds, uh, uh, great length. I think he could be a middle linebacker, uh, maybe even has the length to, to be a strong side linebacker. Um, you know, a, a Miami commit coming into the visit, uh, following the visit, uh, you know, a day later he decommits uh, from Miami, and I think you know from speaking with him after his his trip, uh, I think it's only a matter of time until he commits to Nebraska. He called Nebraska Utopia, and, and to be perfectly honest with you, that's the first time I've ever heard a kid call Nebraska Utopia, and uh, especially a kid from Florida. So. Uh, I, I think that's pretty impressive. And the feeling I got was that uh, the only reason he didn't commit while he was on the trip is because he's following his coach around, taking all these trips. His coach is actually a guest coach at the camp, and they're going to Ohio State uh, uh, visit and where his coach is going to be a guest coach there and a handful of other schools. So I think if he committed on the first leg of their trip, might it might kinda... make all the other trips a little awkward. So, uh, But, you know, when these visits are over with, I fully expect him to commit to Nebraska, which would be, you know, a huge flip. Uh, I mean, you just don't see Nebraska flipping a, a Florida kid committed to Miami all that often. It tells you the shaky ground that Al Golden's on, Robin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's a reason the Miami guys think that this is a make-or-break year for those for, for Golden, just because, uh, you know, last year was such a disappointment. I mean, you have that many players go on to the NFL, and, you know, you have the record they had last year. Uh, the, the heat is certainly rising on the old necktie. Well, and and I think you know you look at that, that at that linebacker position at Nebraska, like we talked about earlier. It's so thin that's going to be attractive for some of these recruits. I mean, even though you know Greg Simmons obviously isn't a guy who's going to be able to come in and play this year, but he can look at the depth chart and say, you know, I don't have seven, eight veteran guys who are going to be sitting in front of me. You know, if I get a chance to come to Nebraska, if I go there, I might get a chance to play you know, right away or at least compete for a starting job. And I think that's very attractive to some of these kids. Another guy that was at Big Red Weekend and, and the camp set up uh, was Bo Wilson, a Kansas City area center prospect Nebraska has offered. Uh, it was thought to be Nebraska was the team to beat, but now Missouri is kind of, um, you know, gotten in there too. And it will be interesting to see um, what's the update on Bo Wilson. And, and any of you guys want to chime in? What were your thoughts on him? Well, Bo Wilson didn't uh, he didn't participate in the Friday Night Lights camp. He he showed up on Saturday for Big Red Weekend, but uh, you know Nebraska is is right at the top there, um, and he was blown away by by the visit, and, and really it was the personal attention from the coaching staff that that really um, you know set this visit apart from all the others that he's been on, and uh, he's got a great relationship with the coaching staff, and um, you know every he mentioned that every single coach on the staff took time to get to know him and his family. And, uh, you know, his siblings. So uh, and that really made a, a solid impression. Now, I, I think the only reason why he didn't commit on the trip is because Miami or I'm sorry, Missouri has started to kind of show a little bit more attention. Um, you know, they've got, you know, Missouri is very well tied in, at least some uh, West. Uh, they've got, you know, signed a number of players out of there over the last, you know, uh, four or five years. So uh, there's a kind of a connection there. And I think it's going to come down to whether or not Missouri offers here shortly um, as he goes to camp there. So uh, 
uh, we could be seeing, you know, a decision coming from Bo Wilson uh, sooner than later. All right, I'm going to be that guy on the RSS that's going to ask this question. Nate, should we be concerned? No commits out of last weekend. No, absolutely not. I I think that, uh, you know, Nebraska has positioned themselves extremely well with these guys. So Greg Simmons is, I think it's only a matter of time, maybe a week or two until he commits. Um, you know, you talk about a, a guy like Keyshawn Johnson Jr. who was on campus uh, third time in, in, you know, the last three or four months. And, and he's, a you know, rivals top 100 uh, 2017 prospect is planning on coming back again in the fall, you know, for the fourth <laughs> visit. That just doesn't happen. Uh, you know, if you're not truly interested in Nebraska, Bo Wilson, another player who's going to be making a decision uh, sooner than later. Um, you know, and, and Greg Simmons, you know, uh, decommits from Miami following the the trip. Uh, another player who's going to be making a decision in a couple weeks. I fully expect it to be Nebraska. So um, I'm not worried one bit that, that there were no commits over the weekend, and uh, I don't think that uh, you have to worry about this staff not being able to close on kids when they're on campus. I think they've handled everything, uh, you know, just fine. They've They've done a great job so far. Brick by brick, it's coming together. When we come back on the HOL podcast, we'll continue our recruiting discussion with Nate Klaus. As, uh, we got some breaking news on Nebraska's quarterback commit. That's all next here in the HOL podcast. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Well, it's already been quite a show here on the HuskerOnline.com podcast. Welcome back, Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, as we continue some Husker recruiting talk. And, Nate, uh, some big news uh, for Nebraska in their recruiting class this, this week uh, regarding their quarterback recruit, Patrick O'Brien. Uh, he was named to the Elite 11. Uh, he took part in their event that they held, uh, I believe it was in Oregon, um, they had some sort of semifinal type deal last week. Well, the the semifinals was was held in California. The finals will be in Oregon. Oregon, okay. Uh, there was there were over uh, thirty uh, quarterbacks that made the the semifinals, and uh, Patrick O'Brien uh, was among those selected to uh, participate in the the finals, uh, which is a big deal. Uh, you know, the, the Elite Eleven is regarded as one of the most you know prestigious uh, quarterback events, and um, it's pretty remarkable to have a guy like Patrick O'Brien who went from having no offers until Danny Langsdorf and Mike Riley evaluated him and offered uh, to all of a sudden being, you know, in the finals of the Elite 11. I'm, I'm not so sure a guy has really, you know, done that before. So a pretty impressive feat. And he's taken a jump up in the rivals rankings as well. Uh, he went from a 5.5, five, I believe, all the way now up to a 5.7 three-star, which is the highest level of three-star you can be, just right below a four-star. So I think it shows you, obviously um, – even on our end, guys like Adam Gorney and, and the West Coast team and Mike Farrell, our national analyst, do think that Patrick O'Brien is somebody to watch. Yeah, he's impressed, um, not only in the camp setting, but the seven-on-seven circuit has been uh, you know, uh, huge for him. Uh, his team has gone out, and, and really they've taken home the title at pretty much every seven-on-seven tournament they've participated in. Uh, and these are national type. It's basically know, AAU basketball. Yeah, exactly. It's, that's exactly what it is. That's the best way to describe it. And they've gone out and absolutely dominated. And Patrick O'Brien has been a big reason uh, why they've been able to do that. It's so in California. It's it's crazy how prevalent the seven on seven scene is. I think you just have a lot more athletes that just specialize in football, and they're not multi sport players. Where you just don't see anything like that in Nebraska. I know our friend Steve Warren, now the co- coach of Omaha Northwest, is tried to put together some sort of Nebraska 
seven on seven team, but we're still a long ways away in our state, Nate, I think, from having uh, teams that can compete like that. I think the numbers allow you to do that. Uh, you know, the, like you said, the the guys doing the seven on seven, that's all that they do is, is football for the most part. You know, there's some track guys in there and, and you know. Uh, maybe basketball. Maybe basketball. But for the most part, these are all football players, um, you know, and, and the, the, the baseball guys and everybody else, they, the basketball guys, they kind of have their own thing. So, uh, but this is, is really developed into a highly competitive um, scene out there in, in California. And, and really, you know, you could throw Texas and Florida into the mix as well. Now there's a chance, Nate, uh, Patrick O'Brien, could he be in Santa Monica right now or do you think he'll be on the road with 7-on-7 for Nebraska Satellite Camp, which will be uh, Friday, June 19th out at Santa Monica College? Well, as of a couple days ago, Patrick said that uh, there's a very good chance that he was going to participate in the uh, Santa Monica Satellite Camp. So, um, if, I mean, if you want to go off of what Patrick is saying, um, he's more than likely going to be at that satellite camp. Uh, I do know that there is a, a tournament out in Miami, uh, a national type of tournament that, uh, you know, that his team is scheduled to play in. So, uh, it kind of remains to be seen, but, but, you know, based off of what Patrick said himself to us, uh, he will be at the satellite camp. We're talking recruiting here with Nate Klaus on the HOL podcast, Sean Callahan is. Uh, we move down the storylines. Nate, there are a couple of West Coast decommitments. Now, if you're just uh, a follower from afar, you don't really know what this means. But two four-star guys, a Rivals 250 wide receiver, Michael Pittman, decommitted from UCLA. A four-star defensive back, Markel uh, Dismuke, uh, decommits from Cal. Why should Nebraska fans take notice? Well, the Nebraska fans should take notice because both these guys visited uh, Lincoln back in March. They were a part of Keyshawn Johnson Jr.'s or on Keyshawn Johnson Sr.'s seven-on-seven group that he brought in in March. Uh, they've already been on campus and have you know have seen everything. They both hold Nebraska offers. Uh, you know, then all of a sudden Keyshawn Johnson and Keyshawn Johnson Jr. come back again for the spring game, come back again for camp uh, last week. Uh, a few days later, all of a sudden these guys decommit. And I don't think it's uh, I mean, you can kind of connect the dots a little bit. I'm not going to say that the most recent visit by Keyshawn uh, Sr. and Jr. you know, uh, played a huge role in them decommitting on the same day. But the fact is, is that uh, Nebraska is very much in play with both of these players. And I uh, wouldn't be surprised if uh, you know they, they end up picking up a commitment from Dismuke uh, here this month in June, and uh, you know, go ahead and host uh, Pittman in the fall for an official visit, and, and stand a very good shot at landing him as well. This Keyshawn thing is real. I think when it happened, everyone was thinking. Remember when Tim Miles had that basketball team from Chicago come in, the big AAU team his first year, and all, all those top players came, and it was just kind of a courtesy visit. Keyshawn's trips to Lincoln have not been courtesy visits. No, this isn't the the Mac Irvin fire and Jaleel Okafor, you know, uh, uh, doing a favor here. This is uh, this is very real, you know. And and uh, you know, you talk to Keyshawn Johnson, and he'll tell you, Mike Riley is my coach. I owe everything that I have to Mike Riley and and the relationship there is deep and it's not this you know it's not a favor this is very real and uh, you know out of those 10 players that visited in March I think it's very realistic to to see you know at least 
upwards of five of those guys, maybe even more, end up committing to Nebraska between the 2016 class and the, the 2017 class. Then you have a guy like Brian Hightower, that 2018 wide receiver that they brought out to uh, the Friday Night Lights camp that went ahead and picked up his first offer from Nebraska and uh, has since blown up, added uh, Tennessee, Arizona State, Washington State so far. So, um, you know, this is something that, that could uh, really be huge for Nebraska down the road. We're talking recruiting here with Nate Klaus as, as we move through storylines this week. And, you know, the camps this week, Nate, there weren't a lot of big-name players uh, at the early week camps. And that, that's kind of to be expected. Um, they're not really promoted as prospect camps. Uh, the Friday Night Lights ones are the prospect camps. But still, you had a few guys make their way into town. I think clearly the, the top kid that came to camp on Monday or Tuesday um, was the linebacker out of uh, Colorado, Santino uh, Mar- Marshall? Marshall. Marshall. Uh, good Italian kid. Uh, I think I heard overheard him talking about going to Italy this summer with his dad. But uh, a 2017 kid out of Colorado, uh, one of the top linebackers in the country in Nebraska. Ohio State, I believe, just offered him this week as well. Um, but it sounded like he had a good trip this week. Yeah, absolutely. He enjoyed his time in Lincoln. It was short. Uh, that, that was the one drawback. You know, he was supposed to uh, be in town for Big Red Weekend, but was unable to make it. Um, you know, did end up coming to the the, uh, the skills camp this past Tuesday. Uh, enjoyed his time, liked what he was able to see. Uh, and he's a great-looking kid. I mean, 6'2", 225 pounds as, as uh, you know, someone who just finished uh, his sophomore year in high school is, is pretty impressive. And, and he has the offer list to show for it, too. He's 15-plus offers from, you know, pretty much all of the top programs in the country. And he's going to be arguably the top player in the state of Colorado for 2017. And uh, it's nice to see those types of kids uh, get on campus early and, and try to, you know, for Nebraska to try and establish a, a connection there. Because realistically, you're not – not going to get a lot of seniors at your camp that are high profile, but you can get sophomores and juniors or freshmen. And, and that, that's what Nebraska, I feel, has done for a long time is get some of these younger 500-mile radius kids here. So it was good to see somebody like Santino get up here. Absolutely. And that's, like you said, that's that's the most important part is getting those younger kids on campus because the more high profile, you know, uh, seniors to be, those guys aren't camping anywhere. They they already have the offers. And they don't need to spend the money. Yeah, they don't need to spend the money. Um, you know, they're more concentrated on, on narrowing, you know, their list down and maybe taking an unofficial visit but not actually participating in camp. So it's always nice to have those young guys on campus uh, <laughs> camping with you and evaluating them. Now as we wrap things up, there were a couple linemen at the the camp that stood out on Tuesday. Nobody offer worthy at this time, but uh, give me one or two names that jumped out to you at the lineman camp on Tuesday. Well, uh, you know, I think Monday, I'm sorry, it's Monday on on the defensive side of the ball. Jake Heron from Sydney, I, I thought was was arguably the the best. Uh, uh, defensive lineman at the camp, uh, defensive end, and it's interesting because he plays running back and linebacker for his uh, his team out in Sydney, Nebraska, uh, and he's a big kid, six, you know, just under six three, two hundred and twenty five pounds. Uh, he's a very good athlete, uh, so you know, I, I don't know that he's necessarily a scholarship guy right now. But he could develop into one. Um, but uh, for sure, would be an, an outstanding walk-on uh, player, um, you know. And then um, Brock Abando is a kid from uh, 2017, kid from Lincoln Southeast that, that looked very well. Uh, as did uh, you know, Austin Clarkson is another kid that that has uh, a lot of uh, a lot of upside to him. He's he's very raw, has never really participated in in that type of environment, you know, with the one on ones and that type of deal. But uh, he does have some athleticism and, and uh, no doubt about his size. 
size. That's that's uh, the reason why South Dakota and South Dakota State have already offered him. All right, when we come back on the program, we'll wrap things up. We'll preview Friday Night Lights and Big Red Weekend here for this week, just some prospects that you'll need to keep tabs on, and then we'll get ready for the big satellite camps coming up as Nebraska's coaching staff will hit the road all this next week. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Final segment of the HOL podcast, Sean Callahan and Nate Klaus has we previewed this weekend as Nebraska will have its final Big Red weekend and Friday Night Lights camp. And then Sunday, the coaches will get on the plane and they will head out to the satellite camps uh, that will take place in Atlanta, Miami, Houston, Dallas, and L.A. So it will be a very busy week for this staff as uh, they wrap up this month of June in recruiting. But, Nate, uh, let's take a look at this weekend's um, Big Red weekend uh, slash satellite camp. Um, you know, Nebraska will have uh, another uh, one of these. And, you know, I thought last weekend's, as we talked about earlier in the show, was a very successful venture. I think it's only going to get better with time. Um, but, you know, the, it will be another – it won't be a huge weekend as far as numbers go, but there will be some quality guys in town again. Absolutely. Uh, you know, the, again, once again, parlay the, the Friday Night Lights camp into Big Red Weekend. And, uh, you know, not not the, the 15 to 20 visitors uh, that you might want, you know, hope to see, but uh, a number of guys that I think Nebraska is uh, sitting in, in very good position with and, and could likely, you know, land a couple commitments out of this group. And I think you have to start with uh, New Jersey linebacker Quayshawn Alexander, who is a guy that we've talked about, you know, for probably about a month. Uh, has been extremely high in Nebraska. Uh, wanted to actually commit to Nebraska back in the middle of May. Um, and I think his mom wanted, you know, kind of had him back off of that because she wanted him to take visits. Well, he has been taking visits. Uh, he's visited uh, Virginia Tech, uh, North Carolina, uh, Virginia, just visited uh, Michigan State earlier this week. It's going to be coming to Nebraska uh, for Big Red Weekend. And I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if, if uh, maybe his mother, after these visits, was uh, went ahead and gave him the green light to commit. Uh, he still has remained extremely high in Nebraska and, and uh, has a great relationship with uh, with Trent Bray. Uh, Austin Pope is a tight end out of uh, Tennessee that, that really Nebraska was the first school to, to really offer him, first big school, and, and he's gone ahead and, and landed, you know, dozens of offers since and and just uh just this past week tennessee offered um but uh he, he he's very high on the huskers i don't know how much that tennessee offer has really uh changed things quite yet i haven't been able to catch up with him but that could have been a, a game changer uh but before that i would have said that that nebraska's you know in the driver's seat with austin pope uh, jack stoll is another tight end out of colorado that i think uh, nebraska has been the leader with since the spring game he's kind of narrowed it down to nebraska and texas Texas is going to be visiting uh, this weekend, was in, in Texas uh, the prior weekend, so wouldn't be surprised if he went ahead and, and pulled the trigger here soon as well. Uh, and then Ben Stilley from down the road, Ashland Green. I think that one happens. I, I think that definitely happens this weekend. Uh, you know, f- kind of the, the feeling that he's been putting off is that he just wanted to have a, a better chance to, to get to know Hank Hughes and, um, you know, the, the staff, maybe check out a, a couple more things like the engineering college and, and uh, so a couple other aspects of the program before go ahead and, and you know making it official but um, I, I fully expect uh, Ben Stilley to commit uh, this weekend or maybe a day or two after the visit yeah I think it, as he's told us many times he just wanted to get a chance to to meet Hank Hughes Mark Banker get a better feel for the defensive staff and I think that's where 
they see him right now more is at defensive end, and they, they need defensive end bodies going forward. But he could still play tight end. And speaking of tight ends, Nate, Jared Bubak noticeably missing um, on all of this stuff this summer. A kid from Lincoln. Why hasn't he been at Big Red Weekend? Why hasn't he been to camps? Um, he's the closest prospect as far as commits go. Um, have you guys had much contact with um, with Bubak and, and his status? Really, Bubak has kind of gone off the grid here over the last month, month and a half. Hasn't really returned any phone calls or text messages. I think that uh, he's kind of you know kept everything to himself after after he kind of came out after the the spring game and said, hey, you know, I'm kind of 50-50 with uh, Nebraska, Arizona State. Still committed to Nebraska, but, you know, still pretty interested in Arizona State as well. So he's kind of gone off the grid. I'm not quite sure what, uh, you know, what he's thinking. But, you know, if you if you wherever there's some smoke, there's some fire. If you read the tea leaves, yeah, and I'm read reading the, them. If you read the tea leaves, it, it doesn't look good uh, for Nebraska. God, terms, that'd be a blow. Yeah. That'd be a huge blow. Yeah, the, I mean – when you when you think about it, uh, it's there's very realistic possibility that Nebraska loses two out of the three in-state players that they've offered uh, in Bubak and, and Noah Fant. Um, well, who know, would get Noah Fant? Well, I mean, you, UCLA just offered. He's going out to Oregon. Uh, you know, I think that uh, I think that Iowa is more of a player than than what some people give credit for. But I really think that Oregon and UCLA offer. Um, you and know, he he also won't be at camps or Big Red Weekend. He, he won't be at camps or Big Red Weekend either. So when you kind of look at look at the way you know both of uh, Bubak and Fant's recruitment is playing out, um, and I'm not saying it's time to hit the panic button, but. Uh, it's it's not playing out the way that that Nebraska coaches would have liked, or or if you're a fan of Nebraska that that you'd like to see. I feel like the kids today, you know, ten years ago, even five years ago, you get that Nebraska offer, you almost committed immediately as an in-state guy. Now it's almost kind of a follow the leader game. I think local kids see kids nationally weigh their options more, and I think a lot of local kids say, "Hey, I can, I want to do that too. I want I want to weigh my options." Um, and, and see what else is out there uh, because every other kid in the country is doing that. And if you have the options, um, you know, it, it, it's not a bad thing. But a lot of times Nebraska kids didn't have the options because everyone got scared of the Nebraska offer. Well, and that's the thing. I think, to you know, these days, you know, if you're one of the top players in Nebraska, you're going to have more than one option. And uh, and that's the case with Bubak and, and Fant. They've got several options. And, um, you know, and, and these are two guys that uh, – you know, are, are kind of, I mean, they're a little different in the, in their, in the way that they think and, and, uh, and they're wanting to check out their options and you can't blame them for doing it. But at the same time, uh, you, you know, ideally you'd like to see them, uh, you know, get in the boat and commit earlier, uh, than later. And then this week, Nate, as the coaching staff gets a wrap on the big red weekend, they're going to get on a plane on Sunday. They're going to fly to Atlanta for their first satellite camp on Monday. And then go to Miami, then Houston and Dallas and L.A. It's going to be a very interesting week. Um, what do you expect? Do you expect a lot of offer quality players to be at these camps? And, and, and could there maybe be a commit that comes out of it? Well, I'm not sure. You know, I guess you have to define what is all a lot. I, I definitely expect uh, you know offers to go out at, at pretty much every camp. I'd be shocked if if there weren't at least a handful of offers you know to go out at, at each camp. You know, whether it be to uh, a 2016 guy or, or some underclassman that impress. Uh, I also expect there to be a handful of kids that Nebraska has been recruiting or has already offered at each camp. Um, you know, and, and there's the possibility if those guys come to camp and, and you know have 
have an opportunity to work with the coaching staff and everything that uh, that we could see a commitment out of uh, you know out of some of these uh, satellite camps. So um, yeah, I think these are going to be highly productive for Nebraska, and they need them to be. Um, this is this is where Nebraska could really separate themselves and, and kind of you know gain some more momentum you know in this recruiting class going forward. So uh, and I think that's going to happen. I, I I think by the time this uh, the satellite camps are over with, you can look back and say, wow, that was uh, highly successful for Nebraska. And we will have full coverage of the camps. Stay tuned as we'll have more on Husker Online on the satellite camps and Big Red Weekend this week. So make sure you're on HOL for the latest. Well, that wraps it up here for another edition of the HOL podcast. For Nate Klaus, Robin Washington, and Dan Hoppen, I'm Sean Callahan. Thanks again for joining us this week on HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics.